Good evening, everyone. It's God's love coming to you on September 15th in the evening. Totally chilling on my couch. I've had a great day. And God has squeezed me to a point where there are things in my life I need to share deeper, to bring to light, to inspire others to share about their life. And honestly, you guys, this is the first time I will ever have talked about this in depth. I've shared with people bits and pieces, but never the full thing. But I had to take some time in my life to really see both sides of this um, this demon that haunted me for most of my life, that really held me back. I've spoken often about my stepfather, who was very abusive in many ways. And one of those ways was sexual abuse. Um, it was something for me very hard to understand because he was very good at psychological manipulation. And for the sexual abuse um, and the inappropriate touching, he was just as crafty and conniving as he was with the rest of the abuse. And as I reflect on it, you guys, I want to reiterate from the beginning, this is something I actually dealt with this year. I have forgiven this man and forgiven my mother, and I feel bad for them. They have to live with the responsibility and the consequences of their choices and their behavior. And they have to go to God with that. I hope, and I truly mean this, I hope that they do and they seek forgiveness because I've already forgiven them. Those things that happened to me as a child have sculpted me into the amazing person I am today. I wouldn't be who I am without it. And so I am very grateful. And so I share with you in such a different mindset. I'm not angry. I'm not resentful. I want to inspire others to start opening up themselves. Because see, it was me holding this very thing in that caused so much destruction in my life because I was so scared to talk about something that people would have listened. I just didn't know how to speak out. Now, the thing about this is, is my mother allowed it to happen because it was happening to her as a child. She grew up like that. I come from a family where there was a lot of abuse. It was destructive family karma. Some of the family branches were able to grow close to God and grow out of that toxicity, while others stayed in that toxicity and continued on that karma into their children, such as my mother did. My mother was a very broken woman not even a woman, she was a girl when she had me. She was 15 years old. 
and I do believe my dad was in his very early 20s. Irresponsible, um, come from an abused home. Um, these are things I found out later. Uh, she couldn't, she couldn't take care of me. My grandparents took care of me the first year I was born. Um, so herself, having been so young, having children, um, and my father, I'm going to be honest, was an abusive, aggressive, angry man. He come from a broken home as well, where men were taught to be entitled and they are above women and the women were less than. So you have very two different types of people coming together and it was very crushing to my mother. Um, very abusive openly, uh, very angry. They would fight just openly. Oh, just so much of it, you guys. But he wasn't a good man either. And so my mom allowed things to happen. And I want to say this because I don't want people to come off angry. My mom allowed these things to happen because she hadn't dealt with her things. She didn't know how to be strong. And now having grown closer to God, I understand. So you guys, I'm going to start, you know, when, you know, my mom married this man when I was like eight, maybe nine. And a week before their wedding, I mean, the signs were all over the wall. He went, he took us kids to go pick her up at the bar and he was angry, but he was going to send me into the bar. And apparently I must have not have been supposed to go in because something bad was going on. And my mom came out angry. So we drove home and they were both very, very drunk, screaming and fighting. And you guys, at like 70 miles an hour, my mother tried to jump out of the car in front of my brother and I. And he sped up. <laughs> I was terrified. Uh, so that is basically my viewpoint of this man. Like, he he was just as bad as my father. Like, I, I hated him. But I remember after they got married, we often... You guys, this is... It's almost hard to talk about. At a young age, um, he would make us uh, sit on the couch and um, rub his feet. And, uh, you know, gosh, nine, ten years old maybe I was when that started. And we would just do that in the evening, and it wasn't, like, unusual. I mean, it was, but it wasn't unusual. Like, I was, I was a very obedient child, so I would just rub his feet. And my mom sometimes would ask me to rub her feet, which I did. So for me... Even though it seemed unusual at first to rub this man's feet, it became very normal because my mom asked me to do it too. And, you know, you just didn't say no. Like, I understood his anger. If he asked me to do something, I had to do it. So we would spend the evenings like this. And, uh, oh gosh, about 12, I think, maybe. Um... My mom would be gone at nights working. And I don't remember really the first time, but I I do remember the feeling 
Herbie had gone and I was rubbing his feet and I think it was just the two of us and he began to rub the heel of his foot into my private area so I want to give you the picture of this he's laying down on the couch facing the TV on his side and I'm at the end um, sitting up you know giving him a foot massage and uh, he just starts to do that I'm very confused I do remember the feeling I was confused and conflicted and I didn't like it I didn't like he was doing that um, I was very reserved as a girl more than most girls like especially about my body I already was dealing with him body shaming me this one was very like it just when you're a child like that and that happens to you and that's supposed to be a private thing and then you get scared and don't know what to do because you're like am I supposed to say no what's going on like I don't like he does it what do I do but I can't do anything because I'm scared that he's gonna punch me in the face like he does my mother like what do I do and so I sat there and he just continued um and then he stopped and I went to bed Oh, that went on. I went on for a while, you guys. Over a span of a couple of years. Um, but it was very rare that my mom worked nights. It was usually during, you know, the winter. Um, she would have a job at the nursing home working nights. I don't know why she worked nights. I hated she worked nights. And, uh... But in, there was off times too, like he started getting more, um, he would go through my room and he would go through my drawers. Uh, I got my period at the age of 14. And uh, this was another very hard thing for me to take because my mother told me nothing. She just made it so unclear and unloving in the way she taught me anything that I really felt I was left to my own device. Um, And we had moved into a different house at the time. And uh, our bathroom was right off of the kitchen. So it was a big struggle for me to have start going through this. Um, but also in this new home, my stepfather would make me shower with the bathroom open. I never understood this. He would openly say, leave the door open. Um, you guys, and I'm 14. I have a 14-year-old daughter right now. She's a regular 14-year-old. I can't imagine... <laughs> man saying that I would probably kill him but my mother let it happen which was even more confusing 
I knew she knew kind of there was something going on because there was one time he brought me home. They went to a trip to Minot, and he brought back a blow dryer and a shirt. And she came stomping in angry at me, and then he came in and handed me these things. And I eventually put it together that she knew something was going on, but deep down I felt like it was my fault. Like, but what was I supposed to do? I didn't understand it. I was so confused because I was so terrified of this man. He had hurt us. He was abusive. And I I did whatever it took for him not to hit me. I did I didn't want to get hit. I just wanted to be small. I just wanted to be insignificant. I just wanted to vanish. I don't know how many times I just wished that the world would open up and swallow me. And in the same house I remember when my mom worked the nights again. And on top of already him making me shower in the with the door open and he uh, he started talking about the smell of my period which was even more confusing he would just say it in front of everybody um, I was just so confused you guys but let me stop right there and give you a deeper understanding before I continue This is how psychological manipulation works. You create the confusion where people don't understand what's going on, so they don't know how to speak up. And that person can continue the manipulation to get what they want in the end. And this man was step-by-step conditioning me, little bit by little bit, for it to be okay for him to touch me. And eventually, you know, how far he would take it, he didn't get all the way. But if I never said no, then I was consenting in his eyes and he could continue. That's what he was doing to me. And this is in lies where a lot of um children getting molested this is this is how it happens you guys you know a lot of us wonder how could this happen well this is how it happens it's a it's a it's a process of conditioning it's a manipulation of the mind and we condition the child to make little bits and pieces are okay you know I'm just going to touch her now she didn't say anything I'll do it in a couple days couple days she never told her mom I'm good That's a consent to me. And one day, you know, in his mind, eventually I'll be 16, 18, letting him do whatever he wants because I never said no. But I didn't see that at the time. I was just very scared and I felt very icky inside. Like there was just something I felt very dirty. And so I remember that winter, he really just man you know this went on for a while you guys like it was about 16 when I finally said something and the top 
So that final winter, before I said something and my mother was gone in the evenings, I mean, he tried being my best friend, but I was really good at survival. Like I knew his manipulation so well that I, I started to manipulate to survive over him. Like I knew how to play the meek, the victim. I knew how to play that around him to, you know, keep on his good side. But all the while I knew better. But in those evenings I would be rubbing his feet. He would, um, it got really extensive how hard and how much he was touching my private area and like lifting his feet up and touching my breast area um and you guys he would just sit and stare at the tv he wouldn't even uh he couldn't even look at me and I just I was so terrified deep down I knew he was trying to do something greater than just that. I just knew it. There was just something in me screaming. One day he was just going to start touching me with his hands. And what was I going to do? Because I had heard how he would beat my mother. And how am I going to stop him? And there was so many times as I was doing this, I would cross my legs to try to get him to stop. And he would uncross my legs with his feet and continue. And I look back and you, this is where I find forgiveness. It's my fault. I really, you know, I look back on those times, you guys, and I realize I had the ability to speak up sooner and I never did. Therein lies my accountability for my part in what happened. That was me taking the power back. And you know why? Because I didn't know any better. And I'm okay with that. But he will have to live with his behavior. He knew what he was doing. So at the age of 16, this is going on. I really hit a terrifying point, you guys. I was so terrified. I finally said something to his niece and I was so scared of what he was I knew he would find out but I was scared he was going to rape me and I would never say anything like it just terrified me because up until this point I kissed one boy my entire life in the fourth grade and it was just a kissing dare but I had never been like ever with another boy, anybody else, never. This was just so difficult and confusing for me to deal with. It was making me feel so dirty. And so I told his niece, I go, he's doing this and he's touching me and I don't know what to do and I'm scared. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to turn to. I tried calling the cops on him once, and that didn't work. They didn't even investigate. We had the cops at our house when my mom would get beat up. That didn't work. He never got arrested. 
social services had been involved so many times, nothing, us, like my brother had been removed into foster care um, because my stepfather was trying to cover up how he abused him. So he made up this big story that my brother was uncontrollable and had him placed in um, foster care uh, because my brother was starting to lash out. So here I was, 16, and the day he found out, he came home, and uh, he came home and he screamed at me that I was wrong. I didn't know what I was talking about, and he berated me for a good couple of hours. Now, this man could berate, and I'm actually going to get the correct, um, for hours, continually repeating the same thing. I literally learned to shut my brain down and, and numb myself and turn inward, you guys, at listening to him. And the things that would come out of his mouth were vulgar. I was nothing but a whore. I was a dirty little slut who was sleeping with everybody. Um, and mind you, you guys, I wasn't. Like, I never went out. We were so isolated in our family. So I was very confused at where he was getting this from. And him just saying those words made me turn inward like, I'll never, never sleep with anybody because of what you're saying. But I would tune him out and turn inside and I would find a happy place. Um, that's what I did with a lot of the things he did. I would just turn inward and I would find a happy place and just not think about it. But you guys, the definition of berating is to scold or condemn uh, violently at any length. And you guys, I mean, he would. For hours he would berate me. So that became the turning point in his relationship with me. He stopped touching me like that but it went from that kind of abuse to straight out he was violent and he would just call me names and spend hours just berating me for hours so on my 18th birthday on my birthday I remember being in the vehicle with him planning my move out in my head like I couldn't wait to get out of this house I knew it was coming and um he just again berating me calling me every name in the book how many all these people I was sleeping with and you guys I'm literally so innocent in the who I am in this world I didn't know how to handle those things. I really didn't. I just shut down in my life. This type of abuse, this type of psychological and verbal abuse shuts a person down. We shut down and we turn inward and we find a happy place. Why? Because I couldn't remove myself from the situation. I tried to remove myself from the house. I even tried running away a week before my 18th birthday. And I freaked out in the car when they 
found me and I demanded to be taken to the police station and they wouldn't do it. But nobody would do anything. Absolutely nobody would do anything. And so I was stuck. That's how I felt. And that's why I stayed in it. Um, so 18, I, I left. And I, um, I thank God that I actually was um, courageous enough to graduate. I did um, stay with a family friend and I graduated high school. I knew that was a goal. But man, you guys, I had a lot of issues that senior year. Like, once I moved out of that house, like, I, um, I just started doing random crazy things. Like, the family I lived with, I mean, their daughter and I would do stupid things. The day of my graduation practice, I got really, really drunk, and I was really sick. Um, I started doing just really opposite of who I was. Um, and my aunt, she got me into a counselor because it was, it was just affecting me. Um, I think at one point in time, my friend and I took some nude pictures of ourselves and she was really upset with me so she took those pictures to school and showed them all over the school on the school computer and it became a big deal because it was pornography in the uh, school they had a huge lyceum and let me tell you guys I was a girl already not liked because I don't know I was just, I don't know. Nobody understood me. They just thought that there was just something wrong with me. So I never really dealt with those issues and I never really talked about it with anybody. Once I moved out, I never talked about it ever again. I never talked to my mother. Like the day I walked out of my house, I never talked to my mother again. I just didn't talk to him. I was done, it was over. So then I ended up moving with my father down in Casper, Wyoming, and um, I only stayed for the summer because my father was terrified to try to raise a girl. Like, my father, he was not in the right mindset to give me the values I needed. So thus, I went to go live with my grandpa in Billings, and they got me in college, um, that only lasted a semester. But in signing up for college, I had to ask for my social security card. And I had to ask my mother for it. But she wouldn't talk to me. So I had to actually talk to my stepfather. I had a huge, severe panic attack. I almost like, it almost like made me pass out. I remember like, as soon as I heard his voice, I started screaming and my grandma Sharon was like, oh my God, child, you need to calm down. I just started screaming. I couldn't handle it. I just couldn't handle it. And she tried to get it out of me and I didn't want to talk about it then. And 
So that was one time I had to hear his voice and it just, like I didn't know how to process anything that had happened in my childhood because it was so much. I thought I can continue to bury it. So then I ended up getting married and having my children. And he called me out of the blue, my stepfather, this really blew my mind. He called me out of the blue. I don't know how he got my number. Um, and he was trying to tell me some stuff and I was just so confused. Like, why are you calling me? Um, and after that, that was the last time I ever heard from him. Now, during my marriage, I never talked about these things either. Like, my marriage was an empty nothing. There was nothing there. The only thing I received out of that marriage was three beautiful children. There was no emotion. There was no love. It was so dark. I was, I just, I had no love for this man. And I absolutely was not going to share that part of me. But in that, and I'm going to get in depth with how this affected me. Um, of course, with marriage comes, you're going to have an intimate relationship with your significant other. I had a very broken view of what an intimate relationship was. I didn't like it. Like, I didn't like the actual act of... Um, intercourse with another person. It was very empty to me and it was very gross to me. I felt dirty. Um, so I didn't, didn't partake in that very much. I was 18 when I lost my virginity. Um, and even that was just it devastated me because I should have never done that. It was not what everybody said it was going to be. And it just turned me away from really enjoying it. So during my marriage, I just, I was that marriage that had every excuse in the book. If I could think of it, I had it. There was always, always tired or always sleeping with the kids next to me. I always had an excuse because it was such a burden to me to have to allow this man to touch me. I really didn't like to be touched. And when I look back at that, I realize it was because of my childhood. I didn't want anybody to touch me. Like my children could touch me, but I never was a hugger. I especially did not want any man to touch me. I felt very violated. And I, f I was always critically thinking about why are they hugging me? Why are they touching me? What are their intentions? Like I never felt safe. So I never really allowed anybody to touch me. And the same goes for the man that I was married with. I just didn't. And it's not for, he. You no, know, he tried, but... <laughs> I didn't love him and you know you do need that you guys I married him because I didn't know any better he asked me to marry him I said yes we got married real quick and then I realized uh, how incompatible we were but now I was bound by the law and by all these things that said I had to stay married so I tried to make it work I really I 
I did my best. I just didn't want to be intimate. And that was a real downfall for him. He really did not like that about me. Um, and I just didn't care. Like, I didn't care enough to entertain anything. And there came a point in time in the last year of my marriage, I just, we didn't do anything. Like, I made every excuse in the book until I just couldn't take it anymore. Like, just the thought of him touching me was revolting. So, I got out of that, and I ended up in another relationship. And now, here I am, not dealing with all of that stuff. You guys, that was the worst thing I could have ever done, was try to be with somebody when I hadn't even fixed myself, or hadn't even dealt with any issues, nothing. And eventually it started catching up to me. And I began to drink. Um, And this too was a relationship where we weren't compatible. It just seemed compatible because I was so giving. Like I was such a giving person that I, I did all the right things. I was the good wife. Even in my marriage, I was the good wife. I kept the house clean. I did all the right things. I was, you know, always... I was on point with all of those things. Um, you know, I was a helper. I was a helpmate. It was like I was designed to do these things and I would do them, but there was just some things I wouldn't wouldn't do. Um, but in this one, these this started catching up to me. It really did. And I drank a lot, you guys. There was a point in time where I was drinking all the time. I was intoxicated all the time for a couple of years. I mean, my liver shut down because of it. Um, and all this stuff I had buried deep. I never wanted to talk about it. And I remember in that relationship, it got brought up and I just didn't want to talk about it. Like, I don't want to talk about it. That's how I felt. I don't want to talk about it. Who cares? And you know, you guys, I went that whole time in my 20s and my early 30s really burying it so deep I thought it was gone I didn't have to think about it and then drinking thought it was gone but it was starting to surface so there came the point last year where I awakened to God being real and his love for me and forgiveness And it was during that meditation that I often speak about that I felt understanding to my stepfather being a very broken man, and I felt forgiveness for him. But I still hadn't really dug all that stuff up and dealt with it. So later that spring, I was starting to drink again. must have been April. Because I got arrested in June. And, uh... Um... It just started coming out. I remember one day just texting somebody. And I just... I, I texted something like... <laughs> I said... Something like... My stepfather molested me as a child... 
and now um if I have sex with somebody and I don't want to it feels like rape and it does you guys um I reflected I was starting to come out about how I felt at moments in my life in my past relationships my marriage especially the times I had to you know be like that that's what it felt like to me I felt very distant I didn't want to be in that moment so I would turn inward and I want to I want to say it like that when I had sex and I didn't want to I would turn inward in that moment and by turning inward it would trigger how I felt as a child and I just would want it to be over and I would resent it and it would just it it would cause it would trigger further into the rest of my day and it was just just saying that one thing really made me reflect about how much of my life that has been holding me back it's caused a lot of grief um and a lot of pain and resentment because i never dealt with it i did a lot of things i didn't want to do because i didn't deal with it and there's so many people out there that suffer with this i know so many people personally that have suffered at the hands of this and they're so confused and tormented by it because they don't know how to talk about it and it is confusing because when you have somebody who is psychologically manipulating you and conditioning you to take advantage of you it messes with your psyche and when you never deal with it in your adult years it embeds some really toxic behaviors I became manipulative because I never dealt with those things because that's what I learned and I I did it to survive even in my early 30s I was so terrified of trusting anybody I was always thinking of what are their intentions they're doing this just because they're using me like I that's my my mind was so warped that's what it revolved around i couldn't have a normal relationship cuz i couldn't be normal in a relationship i was always thinking there was negative int- intentions with trying to be with somebody so in that where i was always worried about that i was never a, there was just moments of toxicity i really was i became a very toxic person over it so it started spilling out after that day and i remember that day i crumbled you guys i remember trying to reach out to people and there was nobody to talk to and i didn't know what to do i was going to punch that i was working at my job which i was a waitress and it seemed like every man that came in every customer that came in was a man and something snapped in me like it snapped in me i had to go or i was going to punch a man in his face and it was going to be an innocent man that resentment i had since i was a child was finally surfacing you guys here it had come to and it was starting to surface and i didn't want it to surface like i was trying so hard to hold it down and in fact i believe in this time frame i had been going out and drinking and on this particular day i was a little bit like probably just 
trying to just wake up. So I, I was weakened, you know, in my mindset. So I wasn't able to hold it down as much. But these were emotions were coming coming out and I was trying so hard to hold them in and they just they started spilling out and I started like I had a panic attack and I finally told my co-worker I was like I have to go like I have to go right now and you know what you guys I had to leave her all by herself and I never had done that before but if I wouldn't have left I would have I would have freaked out on the wrong person so I just took off walking And I didn't know what to do. In my mind, I was panicking. I was just having, I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to start crying. And I don't, I was so terrified of what was going to come out uh, that I just didn't know what to do. And I ended up going to this abandoned building that I used to, I actually used to hide and drink at, ironically. And I'm serious about that, you guys. I used to spend hours drinking where this was at. It has an abandoned boat, an abandoned building. And I used to sit over there and, <laughs> and I would be able to drink in peace and get my get drunk. And then I would go home. And I used to be able to hide my bottles here. So, <laughs> oh, the irony of it. So I went back to that place because I didn't know where else to go. I didn't want to go home. Uh, I think my kids were home. I had a second job that I was working that night and I knew I couldn't go there because I was f- like, there was something in me that just snapped. So I went inside this building and I just started throwing things and it got, I just started throwing more and more and I started screaming and it all started coming out hated the farm I started saying everything I had been wanting to say my whole life I hated it I hated that I stayed in that home I hated that I allowed my mom to you know be this way I hated that I never said anything I hated doing everything I did I hated staying in that marriage I stayed in because it was the right thing why did I always do the right thing why didn't I just ever do what I wanted to do And it just started coming out and I was crying, you guys. And there was so much, there was glass in there. I was breaking the glass. I know I cut up my hands really bad. I just kept throwing stuff and ripping stuff and breaking stuff. And at some point I started to calm down and the tears stopped. And I had finally emptied out emotionally And you guys, I'm not even kidding. That was the first time I had ever verbally vocalized what was bothering me for my entire life. From the time my mom married that man, I held everything in. I didn't, we went to counselors. Because I, I remember it was because I wrote I was going to commit suicide in one of my journals. And my mom found it and was terrified. And so she took us to a counselor. And I'm sitting there looking at the counselor like, what am I supposed to do? If I tell you what's really going on, you know, I'm going to go home and get in trouble. But I'm going to sit here and make up things. 
And this is real, you guys. Like, my mother knew what was going on and she's taking me to a counselor? Expecting me to lie? Like, what? It's so messed up. But that's how broken she was. She didn't even know. She didn't. And I feel bad for her. But all of those things I held in, all the abuse I saw from even my birth father, the things I saw before I was even in school, the time I saw him put a gun to her chin, all of those things, all of the abuse I had seen, all the abuse that was done onto me, all of those emotions that I never got to express because I wouldn't ever allow myself to cry in front of my stepfather either. I, I became very hardened where I would never allow myself to cry or allow him to see me cry because that's exactly what he wanted. He loved to see me in pain. There was one time... He punished me in the middle of winter, and this is no joke, you guys. It was really cold. Like, of course, below freezing. This is North Dakota cold. Um, And back then, there was even more snow. And it was dark, and he goes, you go stand outside until you can come in and uh, apologize. And I can't remember what it was for. And you guys, it was probably my nude, because I didn't back talk. Um, I did my chores. I was very quiet. He was just angry and drunk on one of his berating spurts. And he, he would continue to go on where he would like make up things as he was talking. And eventually I would be in trouble for something he completely made up. So he sent me outside without a jacket. And you know what? He wanted me to go back in and beg him because that would stroke his ego. I knew exactly what he wanted and I wouldn't do it. And I stood out there until he told me to come in. And it was a good 45 minutes, you guys. I was freezing. I, I, I remember crying and being angry. You know, this is, this is where I lost, you know, my way with God. Like, there was, why? Why? And I'm just, I couldn't believe it. I'm out here almost frozen, and I'm not going. There's just some things I would not do, and I was not going to go and beg him to let me back in. So this is the kind of stuff that I held in. You guys, there is so much of this in the world. I'm not the only one. There is a lot of people from my generation that are dealing with this and they don't know how to get out so you guys I had that emotional breakdown and I finally emptied out but eventually my drinking caught up with me because you know what I could only numb myself for so long and I was breaking down I was I mean it just it crumbled like I I publicly crumbled and nobody could figure it out because there was just so much coming out of me at the time from all of this, from my childhood, from everything. It was all coming out into like this emotional purging publicly. The people didn't know what to think about it. Like I was good one minute and then suddenly like she's having a breakdown and she's drinking again. We don't know what to do. What is going on? And she's going crazy. Like 
I went a little bit crazy. So I ended up in jail. And that is where God showed me who I'd become when I started drinking. And it was really not a nice person. I was very manipulative. I was very entitled. Like, I justified and lied to myself why I should drink. Um, But deep down, I, I had that manipulation part of me, that survival skill was still there. And it was ever so slight. And when I drank, it was very strong. And I was just so disgusted by who I became when I drank. I knew the moment I would never drink again because I would never go back to that person. I died. It was the moment I died. Um, but I really started just realizing I had to deal with things. So when I got out of jail, I went to counseling and I, I was serious about it and I became vulnerable and I started talking about my emotions um, and I started dealing with things and I really started talking to others about what I was going through and at one point I remember talking to my uncle Robbie about this he was sitting in my living room and he called me tonight and I haven't talked to him in in months and the night I'm going to do this podcast like I couldn't believe he called me I was like Uncle Robbie, I'm just trying to just get the nerve to do this and talk about this. But I know that, you know, in speaking to him and talking about it, it just, it really brought some peace because he also gave me some understanding to our family on a deeper level to where it suddenly clicked and I understood a lot of things about my mom and there was just a moment I forgave him and I forgave her and it felt really good like it just started I just started to heal you guys and it really took I had to let it out I had to let those emotions out you guys I had to let it out some way And as much as we try to stuff it down, eventually it's going to come out. It's either going to come out in an uncontrolled state and it's going to just like really just take you for a ride or you just let it out. I wish I would have participated more in counseling before that, but I didn't know how to. Now I do. So I'm able to process those things and realize it's okay. But it's taking that first step. And it's taking that first step and actually saying the words. Because you guys, it's not easy to sit here and go, he touched me. Like, I, a little bit of trigger. Because every time I say that, I still feel a little twinge of trigger of just the moment. And, and that used to affect me in a very negative way but whereas God is working with me this month to face my fears this was by far my greatest fear my greatest fear 
was to become like my mother and never be able to stand up for myself and say no. To say no for my children. To say no for me. There was a point in time when I was in jail and I had heard some things were going on around my children and I had become so terrified that something was going to happen to my daughter. Um, I pulled out all the stops to make sure it didn't. A lot of people thought I was crazy, <laughs> again, but uh, I realized I had gotten to a point where I didn't care how crazy I looked. The safety of my children was more important. And, um, you know, I made such a huge scene about the caretaking of my children. I knew that nothing would happen to them. And that made me feel good about myself because their safety was more important than how I looked the outside world. And coming out of jail, I was able to talk to my children about some of these things and also educate them and, and teach them how to stand up and speak out. And you guys, this is where it's the two-sided story. As strongly as I was suffocated and crushed, I came back in a fury where those things don't hold me back. I speak out on these things very, very openly um, and honestly, uh, especially when it comes to children, educating children and, and teaching my children better than what I knew to be stronger, to speak the truth, no matter who it hurts. Like my children should be able to correct me. And I shouldn't punish them for it. And I've learned to listen to people. I've met so many wonderful people in jail who all they needed was somebody to listen to them. Because they were burying something so deep inside, they, they forgot it was there. Just like I forgot it was there. But it was still there. And because it was there, we cope with the substance to numb ourselves, to not have to deal with having to feel the emotions of coming out of it. This wasn't just uh, one cry, I was over it. As of next month, I'll have been working towards overcoming this obstacle for a whole year. I have done something every month and set a goal to overcome all of these things that have made me a toxic person, who that has hindered me, that has held me back, that has made me angry, that has made me resentful. Um, I've finally come full circle in this year. And I believe that's why I feel very good about sharing this right now. Because I put in the work to overcome that demon. And I realize now that I've ended that toxicity in my family now. I've become, you know, I've changed the game for my children. They will never have to go through that. Not that way. Um, their struggles would be different. 
And I'm so very blessed that I had God by my side the entire time. Because it was God who's brought me through these goals. And it was God who placed systems around me to trigger me to have me face these issues. Um, sometimes it's my brother will want to talk about these things and I've learned to have these conversations with him openly. When I was first talking to my uncle about, you know, everybody always wondered how far my stepfather had abused me because I never talked about it. And I realized that's how conditioned I was to turn inward. You guys, and that kind of conditioning is so toxic. Like, it still affected me up until this summer. Like, I realized that there was still moments in my life when I would be partaking in something where I would turn inward because I was scared. If I felt fear, I turn inward and I go to another place in my mind. And I got tired of doing that because it was ruining things for me. It was ruining friendships and relationships. It was ruining good things for me by continuing that behavior. So in sharing that, I, I hope that this shows you, you know, there's so many sides to somebody who doesn't speak, who's somebody that does come off negative, who um, is having a bad day, who emotionally is um, becoming unstable, somebody who's come out of abuse, somebody who's had substance abuse. All of these things are for a reason. I didn't just start drinking in my later 20s because it was fun. Um, nobody chooses to be an addict. There's always a reason behind it. Um, because we cope. But I've learned that I don't want to cope anymore. I want to go through the pain. And you guys, coming out of some of these mindset and behaviors that I thought were to be true, beliefs about myself, my belief system was very hard and it was emotionally painful. It felt like my heart was being taken down a washboard sometimes or ripped open or crushed. Like God sometimes wanted me to say something so badly he would squeeze me until I had nothing left and I said it. Otherwise, I would probably suffocate to death. Um, and it all revolved around the core of it all, which was my childhood. And to me, it's like, I remember telling a counselor crying, why couldn't my mother love me enough to stand up for me? She knew what was going on. I hadn't talked to her since she was, I was 18. I'm now in my 30s and she still can't. Why wasn't I good enough? And therein lies just the core of all the issues I've had in my life, all the struggles, all the things that were just so toxic to me. Having that, that mindset and that perception of life, I was never good enough. 
but you guys it was the grace of God you know and everything is such perfect timing this is why that day that God made his presence known and I felt his love and I never felt anything like that before and I've been pursuing it ever since this is why I love God so deeply I've never felt love like that ever and uh, nobody has ever loved me as much as God has <laughs> and of all the things I'm gonna cry about It is the love of God, you guys, that can bring you out of the worst things. <laughs> because a lot of people will take their life before they will ever deal with having to talk about the things that they don't understand. And I get that. I've sat at my table <laughs> wanting to just go drown in the lake, something, hang myself because I don't have a gun. I've sat and thought about these things because I couldn't take the pain anymore. I just couldn't take it, God. I would tell him that I just can't take it anymore. <laughs> but he always kept me going and just said just hang on and go through it I'm here with you and I'm real about this you guys because to come out of to come out of those type of things you have to go through pain that is real I don't want to lie to anybody and tell you it's so easy to come out of. You're going to feel pain. Letting out and letting go. Because you got to feel it now. You're going to have to feel how it feels to not feel good enough. All those years I stuffed down why I wasn't good enough for my mother. All those years I stuffed down how my stepfather could have ever done those things to me. All those years he called me worthless. All, the, all of those words that I blocked emotionally then, I had to feel now. I spent so many hours crying. Um, it's unbelievable. But it's once I finally started getting that out, God filled me with his love. And I sit here today just unafraid. And I'm succeeding. Um, I'm doing it. And I did it and my children are going to have a better future. I'm doing it and telling you because there's somebody else out in this world who's burying these things deep down and it could very well be you and you don't know who to talk to but you do have to find you have to seek a counselor you just have to be vulnerable because there is light at the end of the tunnel this tunnel has been going on for almost you know I've been trying to recover from alcohol on my own for a long time but with the help of God, it's been probably about a year and a half. 
And um, this last year was when I really fully dedicated. And you guys, this has been a long road for me. There were moments this summer I didn't think I would see the next day. And I was too scared to tell a counselor that because I didn't want them throwing me in the psych ward. So I was terrified to even tell my counselor that I was contemplating all of these things because of these emotions because I didn't understand. But I leaned onto God and I journaled to him and I did all these things he put in my day and he brought me through those pains. So, you guys, it's it's a long road to recovery. And not just from a substance abuse, abuse in general, traumas. It takes work, dedication. It's something that the eyes just cannot see. That, you know, things and people, places and things can't really help you with this. It's, it's deeper than that. But those who really want to seek that happiness, that kind of success, and that was the kind of thing that I asked over two years ago. There had to be more than life than how I felt that day. I was working a dead-end job, didn't know if I could even be a mom, didn't know who I was in this world, didn't, didn't, didn't even know, like, I didn't know anything. Like, what was I going to do? I was so shut down and broken. I had no idea. And I, I just can't even fathom all the work God has put into me, you guys, to reach this point today where I'm going to succeed at everything I do. College, I'm on it. Raising my children, they're going to have such a wonderful life. I don't fear anymore. I've made fear my friend. I don't fear. There's no nothing to fear anymore. So, in lies, as I get ready to finish up this podcast was long and hopefully inspiring you guys because everybody has suffered in this world but not everybody knows how to address it and some people want to just recognize that it happened but sweep the emotions underneath and that doesn't work either I recognize that those things hurt. Yeah, it did hurt. It hurt that my dad didn't love me the way I needed to be loved. It hurt that my mother never sought me out. All those things hurt. But I never allowed myself to feel it because I was tough. I was strong. It was that pride I built up to protect myself from survival in my childhood. Because see, by bringing living life in survival mode all the time, it will hinder you. Yes, it worked through my childhood because at some point I really didn't have a choice shy of like running away to another state. Um, But when you carry that survival mode to live life, your whole life, it will hinder you 
and eventually it will come back around. It's like the two-headed snake. It will bite you right in the face. And my survival skills did not get me anywhere. It just, it all crumbled. So you guys, I hope this just gets you to really think about it. And if you know somebody, if you're aware, especially children, you guys, as a child, I was too terrified to speak out because my parents told me scary stories about if we would be removed from the home of social services. So I was terrified of social services, but yet I was terrified of what they would do if they found out I said anything because of what I'd seen in the home. So many children don't want to talk about it because that's what their parents have conditioned within the home. Those conditionings can last for a very long time until somehow you address them. I had to face these things to become a better version of myself and I wanted that. I truly wanted that. So I really had to face it. But some people, they don't know how to face it. And they deal with it by coping. Coping with a substance. Coping with other things in life. Coping with validation. Coping with just avoiding. Any way to distract and avoid. I worked so much at one job. Like, um, in 2018, I worked so much to where I didn't have to think about it. Like I just wanted to be busy. I didn't want to be alone. I couldn't be alone with myself, you guys. That's how scared of my thoughts I were. I couldn't be alone. And if I was home alone, I would go and hang out at my job because I was so scared to be alone with my thoughts. Isn't that crazy? I think about that. I was so terrified of my own thoughts. But eventually I got over that because I started meditating. I just, I really wanted to know how my brain worked. I was tired of how I felt. I got tired of myself. I got tired of who I was in this world. I got tired of how I felt. I had enough. I had to do something. So I started searching. So you guys, I hope this inspires you. And I'm going to tell you, I couldn't be here today if it wasn't for God. He has carried me through every stumbled step to get to here. He has loved me through it. And let me tell you, there were times where I I told him I hated him for what he was causing in my life. All this pain, all this suffering. It's like, I hate you. How could you do this to me? I love you so much. Yet here I sit, wanting to kill myself. Because that's how deep this pain runs in me. And I I don't know what to do. But here's the thing about it. God had to push me in such a distraught state that it would actually be so angry and upset, I would actually start talking about it. Because let me take you through a moment in time. I was sitting at my chair where I often do my podcast and it was a Sunday and I had been distraught all week and I had enough I couldn't take it my heart was just ripped open and raw and I felt this ache it was just this ache like I just couldn't live another day like this and I said it I was sitting there trying to do my college work and I was like God I cannot 
do it another day. And I was like, this is, I was like, this is, and I'm openly talking to God about it, you guys, because he's like right there with me. Like, it's just how vulnerable I am with God. And I'm being vulnerable with you. And I said, this is what I'm going to do. So I started just like, to me, I would, (laughs) I really had not a lot of options of taking my own life, you guys. (laughs) I was just going to, (laughs) and I can laugh right now, I was just going to swim out into the lake and hopefully drown. Really, truly, that was my plan. And as I'm looking down the hall and I'm looking at my kids' bedroom, God's like, so what are you going to tell them? It's like, I don't know, God, I don't want them to hate you. You know, this is something wrong with me. Like, it's not, I knew it wasn't entirely God's fault, but man, I just, I had all this anger and hate and I just wanted to blame him and I just couldn't take it anymore. I just couldn't take it anymore. And, um, I started thinking about what I would tell my kids I just started thinking about my daughter and I remember that one time just I started saying it out loud what I would write to her and I started crying because what I was telling her was how I felt about myself I would I hope you don't allow anybody to treat you the way my father treated me that's what I was telling her I started bawling and realized I never felt the pain of how my father treated me until then. And I just started bawling. Like, how can my father do this to me? I'm his daughter. He's supposed to love me. And he allowed a man to mistreat me right in front of him. And then he wanted to take his side. And just, it all came out, you guys. But see, God had to make me so miserable and uncomfortable that I would finally say it. And I would see it and recognize that the seed was deep inside of me, all that hurt and resentment for my father. And you, you know, I cried for a good hour over this and I journaled about it. And when I was done, I felt so relieved. Like it was gone. This toxic thing was gone. Only God can do that, you guys. And I was just like, how could you, how did you know that was deep inside of me? I didn't know that was still there. I would have never been able to push this emotion up. I didn't even know that that was the reason I was so upset. But God was able to place things to push it out of me to where I finally felt it. It was in feeling it that released that toxicity in in me. And once that released, God was able to fill me with his love, you guys. And it changed. There was many moments like that. And... Um, I just share it because there's something grand and spiritual about going through the pain and not coping through the pain. Because, you know, if I would have taken any pain medication, if I would have taken anything to to numb myself, like I used to drink, if I would have done anything to numb myself, I would have never known what was behind that pain, the true source of it. And by leaning on to God... And going through the pain, he was able to bring it up out of me where I was able to vocalize the actual source of where this ache came from that was tormenting me. And I was able then underneath it to release the emotions and cry it out. 
That's how it works, you guys. That's how healing works. That's how recovery works. That's how growth works. That's how it worked in me. You cannot just say, I know it hurts and walk away from it. You will never be fully healed. You will always be tormented by that deep seed that resides in you. So it's such a beautiful thing when you lean on to God, you guys. And I want to reiterate at the end of this, like, I have no anger towards anybody. I truly hope with all my heart, and I love everyone in this world, all of us were born with a purpose. My mother and my stepfather were very broken people. Somewhere along the lines, they believed to what they thought to be doing to be okay. And they did it because it made them feel better or because they were broken. For my mother, she was a broken woman. She didn't know how to stand up and be strong. I had to go through life to get to that point. So I don't know if that's in the cards for her. And I feel really sad that she may never get to be whole like I am inside. Like that's a sad life to live, you guys. And the last thing that I want to carry around is resentment for her. Because you know what? She suffers from demons that she doesn't share she may never share and my stepfather somewhere along the lines he grew to think that you know causing people pain brought him comfort that's a learned behavior it's a sick behavior that grew he has to live with that for the rest of his life everything he's done and not just to me to my brother to my mother other people There are other skeletons in his closet that he'll either take to the grave or he'll give to God. And I hope he gives them to God. So it's in finding forgiveness, you guys, that I healed. Like, feeling that forgiveness freed me. Like, when you hold resentment and blame towards somebody, you're attaching a spiritual chain to them saying, you're the reason... I feel this way. Now you're attached to them. I don't want to be attached to them. I want to be free. And when you find that forgiveness and you allow God to show you how to forgive, it is freeing indeed. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. And I hope that you do share this with others. Please keep sharing. Inspire people to speak out. Show them that their voice is strong. Because the more we talk about this, uh, the less secretive it is. And the less this happens amongst our youth. And and the more people can grow from it and become healthy. We've got to open up. We've got to speak out. And I, I, I truly, truly want to thank you. This was not easy to start. I think I did this about... 10 times already I've taken it and restarted taken it and restarted because I didn't know what to say in the beginning like how do you come out and just say I'm going to talk about being molested as a child like but you know I'm all good right now with it like it's a really it's a really interesting thing to sit and think how am I going to open this up there's real there's really no good way to open this you guys it's like it's do or die so I finally just started and there it was and I laid it all out there and uh 
um, you know, it's because of God. He's just like, you're ready. You're ready to put it out there. And I was ready. So you guys, as I'm closing out, I'm looking at my, out my big window and I know that what God has in store for me is greater than what I've left behind. And I'm so grateful. There's just some really amazing people, particularly in my life, that have seen me at my worst, and they still stood by me as my friends. And I'm really grateful for them, because they've bared more than they should. Um, and I love them for that. Like, I can never give back enough to them being there for me and showing me a different way of life. There's just been some particular people that woke me up to my broken beliefs and they showed me a different way and it changed me for the better. Like, they helped me grow and so I'm forever grateful to them. Um, and those who have stood by me through my, my addiction struggles. Oh, you guys, my kids have probably lived in a home outside of me with friends and foster care for, well, maybe over a year. I've had this community that I live in has surrounded me and wrapped me with their loving arms and loved my children as their own. When I was face down, um, repeatedly going back to drinking, but they repeatedly kept stepping up and stepping in and believing in me. And I'm really grateful for that, you guys. Like, I didn't see it for a very long time, but I do see it now. When I allow people to love me, they really do love me. And I have a whole community of people that have been trying to love me for a very long time. And I'm finally allowing God to place me. And I'm allowing myself to open up to be loved and to love. Like, I can actually love you guys and not the way that's toxic. Like, I truly see the best in everybody. So, for those of you who are not sure, like, in that belief in yourself, believe it. Every single one of us is born with a blessing from God. Every single person in this world is born with a blessing. So when you start feeling passion towards something and you start doing it, that is God leading you to your blessing. Believe in it. Okay? And don't ever let somebody outside of you diminish that fire. Because people will reflect their limited beliefs of themselves and what they're capable of onto you. Because they don't know any better. A lot of people think that they're protecting you and they're trying to get, no, no, steer you the right way. No, no, that's not what it is. They're trying to, you know, they're, that's their limited belief system. But we are all born with a blessing. And I know in what I'm doing now, I'm seeking mine. And I'm going to achieve it. I'm going to get exactly where God has dreamed I would be. 
I know it without a doubt. And it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be grander than I could ever imagine. But it's in that blind faith of knowing that I just need to persevere through and keep doing everything every day that I will reach it. So you guys, you have to believe there's something great for you because there is. You just, you have to start seeking it because I believe in it too. Every single one of us, we all have a blessing. That's a guarantee too. But are you willing to try to go get it? So I love you guys. You have an amazing, amazing day or evening Wherever you're listening to this, I'm just really grateful you take the time to, you know, listen to somebody else. Um, I'm really grateful for that. God bless you guys.